Welcome to West Virginia Beer Roads, a podcast all about beer from a West Virginia perspective. I'm Erin McCoy, here with my podcast partner, Charles Bakwe. It's been about three years since we've sat down with the folks at Parkersburg Brewing Company to get an update on their operations and their beer. Well, wait no longer, because today we're visiting Parkersburg Brewing their beautiful tap room in downtown Parkersburg, West Virginia. And I'm here with West Virginia Beer Road's co-host, Erin McCoy. And joining us today on West Virginia Beer Roads are two of the people who keep this business moving ahead. First is Dan Curtis, an owner and founder of Parkersburg Brewing Company. Welcome, Dan. Thank you, Erin. Also here with us is John Cox, an owner and brewer at Parkersburg Brewing. John, welcome to West Virginia Beer Roads. Yes, thank you. Well, Parkersburg Brewing is now in its seventh year of operation. So, Dan, I'm going to begin with you. What's the ride been like? <laughs> it's been quite up and down, and I think probably the biggest part of the roller coaster was the introduction of COVID um, and trying to learn how to deal with that. Um, you know, and I think, to be honest with you, Aaron, um, we figured that one out pretty well. Um, with you know the governor's order to be able to deliver beer um and then you know using doordash which you know i got to give them a little bit of credit um you know during that period they were not charging companies um for the doordash services so um that was very very beneficial to us from a taproom perspective um and obviously the wholesale part of the business pretty much died during that period right with restaurants and you know taverns and bars being closed um so that was very difficult but i do have to say um, we're, we're probably right now in the most difficult and challenging part um, of our life cycle. Um, we figured out COVID, but trying to figure out how to manage inflation, higher gas prices. Um, Moving on to and, the next problem. Uh, yeah. And, <laughs> and, you know, less expendable income um, is, is definitely a harder challenge to figure out. And we're working that day by day. Well, we're, we're glad to hear you're, you're getting through that. Uh, John, I think you're a bit newer on the ownership team, but what's the experience of brewing at Parkersburg been like for you, and um, what stood out the most? Um, yes, I am new to the ownership. Um, I started out here, they hired me as head brewer when they installed the seven-barrel system. So I started out as an employee, did that for about a year. They give me an opportunity to step up and buy into the business, and I did, so now I do a lot more work, and I don't get a paycheck. Understood. So, so oh, boy. That kind of takes me then into my next question. What's been the most challenging things for you as a brewer? Um, uh, the brewing doesn't really change. It's the same. It's um, it's a science. It's same same products in, same products out. Um, it's learning the business side. It's been a challenge for me, um, getting involved with other sides of the business, um, I'm now involved in sales and out on the road meeting distributors and yeah, that's something I was never into before, something I never dreamed I would get into, but here I am doing it. So Fantastic. <laughs> I, I've just been trying to embrace it and make the best of it. When we hired John, um, you know, chemical operators make excellent brewers. Um, they understand equipment, they understand the process, they understand the science. Um but John has really grown and you know developed over the last several years with the business side 
Um, and he's a very strong part of this business and something that we value significantly. Very good. Well, we are sitting here again at Parkersburg Brewing in Parkersburg, West Virginia, and we have a beer that we are going to sample and would like to hear a little bit about. So, John, do you want to take this one? Um, yes, this is our uh, newest beer. This is a Kolsch. We call it Confluence Kolsch. Um, what is it? 4.2, 4.4 ABV. Yeah, um, um, yeah, and the, and the whole concept right around confluence, right, is there's a couple of things, right? I mean, one is um, we really want to celebrate um, and basically um, encourage the coming together, right, of West Virginia University and Marshall, right, as sure. a confluence, um, but also a confluence of domestic beer and craft beer. Um, you know, this is not a lager, right? But it is the lightest thing we can brew that's not a lager. Yeah. And, you know, we're, uh, to be honest, you know, we're really trying to come to the forefront here and, and answer part of the charge um, for some of the domestic beer um, challenges. And, and, you know, as you said, as far as a, a domestic challenge, this Kolsch is great for a craft beer for someone who isn't necessarily into craft yes. beer it's it's a great introduction for them and this you know in particular it's very clear um it's clean and crisp and easy to drink uh, oh, anything else that you want to add about this specific no i mean i think one? i think that's the important things aaron right because and up until we had the Kolsch, right the only two options that we had for domestic drinkers was our hefeweizen which is not necessarily as clear and and not as clean, right? And um, and our our blonde on blonde, which is kind of a niche coffee um, blonde. So um, this is our true, you know, finally answer to to domestic. Yeah, this confluence Kolsch, I get uh, some uh, kind of whininess in here, a little whiny character. I think that's typical in some Kolsch. Uh, also, a little graininess that I love in this beer. It's very clean. It's extremely crystal clear. Crushable. Very crushable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, the, yeah, the ABV at 4.7, you say? Yeah, I think it's 4.7. Four four something seven. like that. Anyway, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's right in the sweet spot, I yeah. think, what I like in Kolsch. Yeah. And I know a lot of American brewers kind of up ABVs on everything. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. but did, yeah. you guys didn't, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Yep. Same. It's quite good. Thank you for sharing it with us. Oh, thank you. Well, guys, since you've opened the brewery, the craft beer market has changed considerably. I think you'd have to agree. And, Dan, I'd kind of like for you to give me your read on the overall craft beer market here in the summer of 2023. Yeah, so, Charles, I, you know, it, that's an interesting question. Um, the funny thing to me is IPAs continue to be a strong part of the market. Um, Boy, they do, don't they? <laughs> yeah, they, and, and uh, you know, I mean, there's always been talk about, you know, the IPA fad, quote unquote, is going to die. <laughs> um, it hasn't. Um, right, it's extended. You know, so, so, you know, we, we obviously offer, you know, three IPAs, right? Our, our Citrus Tsunami, our Luponic, Hazy, um, and then our Pow Days Double IPA, and they all do very well. Um, yeah. From a change perspective, uh, to be honest, I, you know, I haven't seen a ton of shift uh, over the last six years, six plus years. Um, 
you know, people are always interested in new beers, new styles, but, you know, the, the base beers have continued to be strong. Yeah, and I think, though, you know, as West Virginia has moved up at getting more and more local breweries, when you guys started, there were quite a few more, a few yeah. less, I should say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's, it's definitely more people making more of the same kinds of beers. Yes. Is, yeah. Do you think the market has grown here locally? Uh, it's much to take to absorb all those uh, new no, beers that come in? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the market has grown. Um, you know, I think it's developed, it's grown, it's matured. And, you know, we, we continue to develop and, and bring out new beers. For example, you know, earlier this year or late last year, I can't remember exactly, John, right, we brought out our, our uh, um, Belgian double, um, which has been yep. very yeah, well. Early this year. Very well received. Um, so, you know, I, I – I think, you know, new beers, new styles are very well received, but I think the market has definitely matured to the point that it supports, you know, more breweries mm-hmm. and, you know, more more beers. As you said previously regarding the IPAs, you mentioned the Luponic and the Citrus Tsunami and then the Pow Days. Are those flagships for Parkersburg Brewing? So, so Tsunami and Pow Days are pretty much regular beers. Um, Luponic... Um, we've moved it to more of a seasonal type summer beer, um, uh, so it's not available all year long. But um, you know, it's just it's a it's a challenge, right? On you know how many SKUs do you do you carry all year long, and when do you bring in a new one? Um, so we're still that's probably one of our most significant challenges, I think, at this point is managing how many beers you offer. Um, learning and, curve and, and how you offer them right um, keg can what have you well Parkersburg Brewing has uh, chosen to distribute through partnerships with beer distributors rather than doing self-distribution um, how's that working for you uh, who wants to take this one John um, yeah we um, yeah we're working with the distributors here in the state um, Joe's Globe out of Morgantown and uh beverage market out of charleston um yeah and martin's over in the panhandle um so dan did you want to add something so yeah charles i think a challenge right as a, as a small brewery is there's so many trees between towns here in west virginia that's, um, a, that's so true <laughs> to 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 be able to self-distribute is a real challenge um and and we we decided that we really needed some help um, with distributors in the state. Um, it, um, to be honest, it's been a challenge for us working with the distributors, um, but you know we're we're doing our best to to make the best out of the situation that we have, and uh, you know move as much beer as we can with the distributors that we chose. And how are you staffing it internally to support distribution? So currently, John um, pretty much takes care of um, that. Yeah. Go ahead, John. Um, yeah, it's pretty much me. Um, I'm meeting with the distributors. I'm covering the festivals, doing that sort of thing. Um, I try to meet with as many interim accounts as I can. But, you know, with the day job and things going on here, you know, my time's limited, but I try to make the most of the time I can get on the road. 
Yeah, and I know that's a, that's a challenge for all our brewers, you know, when you use distributors that are far flung, like you said, the state is really spread out. Yeah. <laughs> to be and a small state, yes. There's yes. a lot of uh, miles between accounts sometimes, but there's also a lot of miles between your distributors that you yeah. have yes. to try <laughs> yeah. to support. Yeah. I understand that. And I, I, I just wondered, though, what your take is on uh, what distributors and retailers are wanting today. And, uh, and how's that maybe different from what you saw when you first started Parkersburg? Um, they're still pretty much wanting our flagship, our flagship staples. Um, Cell Block 304 and Citrus Tsunami is what we lead with. Um, that really hasn't changed. Okay. Um, we have asked for more of a crossover beer, which is where the idea of the Kolsch come up. You know, they're asking for something that domestic drinkers would step up and buy. And I think that's been received very, very well by our yes. distributors. Yes. Yeah, so a couple of years ago, you guys decided to enter the Ohio market, right? And we did. Correct with that, yeah. And uh, it's just across the river from, from here in Parkersburg. If people don't know where Parkersburg, West Virginia is, it's right on the Ohio River, and Ohio's right to the west. Um, so uh, how's that developing? Uh, so it's been slow. Um, during COVID, you know, we had some issues with the Ohio, I don't know what they call themselves, but the equivalent of the West Virginia Alcohol Beverage Commission. Right, um, regulators. Had, yeah, they had some um, legitimate resourcing issues, um, and we ran into some struggles with licensing. Um, so, you know, we've taken a pause in Ohio. Um, we intend to go back to Ohio, but right now we haven't done that yet. It's not on your end, though. That's no. on their yeah. end because yeah. of st yeah. Yeah. staffing issues yes. or resources. Yeah. yeah, so we've been focusing primarily on West Virginia uh, until we get that straightened out. Yeah, and the last thing I'm kind of curious about with uh, your work in distribution are chain authorizations because that's uh, such a critical part often when you work with distributors to get in the major retailers. Uh, could, who wants to take that one? Uh, uh, John? Yeah. I'll let John take that. Yeah, and um, we've actually had some pretty good conversations over the last year, year and a half. Um, we have a very good relationship with Parmar. Um, we have a very good relationship with Kroger. Um, we're with BFS and GoMart. Um, Yep, so we are, we are definitely trying to grow those relationships. Yeah, that's good that you're seeing uh, progress and, and support there from those key retailers because those big chains, I mean, they do yep. move yep. a lot of beer in yep. our state. Yep. Yes, they do. Yeah, and we've had some success with Walmart. I mean, it's been yeah. store by store, um, but, you know, we're continuing to work that as well. Okay. Well, summer is typically the best season for beer sales. Um, what two or three beers have been your hottest sellers recently in off-premise grocery and convenience stores, which you were just discussing? Um, well, again, we go back to the Kolsch. Since we released that uh, around a month ago, that beer has been on fire. Um, we have a waiting list, people wanting it. So it's surpassed what you said you typically lead with, which is your yeah. yes. cell block yeah. and yeah. your tonic. Yes. Yeah. yes, right now the Kolsch is on fire. Um, we're waiting to see if it's just because it's something new we've put out or if it's going to have staying power. So we're following that very close. And hopefully following up as far as sales yes. goes. Uh, yes, get, yes. You, get you yeah. a, third, a third regular beer yep, in there. Yes. Yep. But I, yes. think, I think in general, the Tsunami yeah. and the Cell Block continue to be you know, the staples, but the Kolsch is uh, 
quickly. It's, it's a quick up and comer. Yes. That's good to hear. Yeah, and I think that's probably helped a lot by the fact that I see a lot more of our, even our small breweries in West Virginia, which were kind of off, you know, the mainstream sometimes. Uh, a lot of them are making Kolsch, and they're making pretty good Kolsch. And so people, our market's getting familiar with it, where they used to not know what a Kolsch was. Right, right. right. But I think the beauty of a Kolsch is it's so close to a domestic. Um, you know, because we live in a domestic world. Well, what what about on-premise bars and restaurants? Have you had any sales surprises that you didn't have in your off-premise grocery and convenience stores? The tap rooms, pretty much the people that come in here are hardcore craft beer drinkers. They lean but toward... regulars. Yes, they, they <laughs> lean toward the IPAs. Well, and, and the new mm. stuff. So the wholesale accounts that are buying kegs, a lot of those places, right, whether it's a pies and pints or whatever, right, they're really interested in some of the new stuff. Um, you, don't, you don't really get to push some of the new stuff quite as much in retail space, right, as you do on premise. So um, they're similar to the tap room, but in the tap room, we can really experiment and, and do things and draw people in. And, and that's what we try to do. Um, are you seeing particular style shifts in customer preferences that are happening right now? And if so, which styles are you seeing trending up? What are you seeing trending down? Uh, not really. I would, in my opinion, I would call it pretty stable. I mean, IPAs are still king. Everybody wants an IPA. <laughs> they are. Um, but But you do see a very thirsty group for variety and new things. And I think our... Um, Belgian Double in the tap room specifically, because um, that's really all, the only place that we provided it was um, very well received um, and in high demand. So I think they want to see variety. So variety is definitely that yeah, trend. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And this brings up a question to me, guys, on um, just the fact that you guys at Parkersburg Brewing don't have 20, 30, 40 beer styles that you make, you know, around the clock or in a season, like so many of our, our brewers are just cranking out a new beer, you know, every few weeks almost. How did you decide to do that and make that your business model? Well, so I, I think that's a pretty easy answer, Charles, and that is, you know, how do you manage 30 or 40 beer styles and SKUs and actually make enough to provide um, your tap room or your distributors, um, you know, I think with our 15 plus probably styles that we provide, um, we continue to struggle, right, on how do you provide enough, right, and how do you read the crystal ball on what your distributor wants. Um, so to simplify that model, I think, makes life a whole lot easier. And that that's kind of brings me to my last question on this topic, but do you feel like overall your customer base style preferences for variety is, is pretty um, stable across the region, or do you see it differently? Yeah, um, I feel it's pretty stable. Um, there are definitely pockets in West Virginia. Um, Morgan, from a sales standpoint? Yes. From you, John? Yeah, yes. Morgantown is a hot spot. Fairmont is a hot spot. College, college, college. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, the southern part of the state is not really into the craft beers yet. But, you know, um, we are getting some traction with these crossover beers. and But there is some regional differences. Yeah, there's definitely, definitely some regional differences. But 
Yeah, you well, know. And I wonder how much of those regional differences are due to distributors pushing a certain beer that you have versus it actually being demanded in the market, and that's why the difference is. Yeah, I, I so wonder, that's a good question. How do you figure that out? That's yeah. a good question, Charles. And I, you know, I mean, just an example. Um, so in Man, West Virginia, right, which is a very, very small town um, in southern West Virginia, cell block is king. Um, and I think it's king, right, because of the Hatfield-McCoy trails and people coming in from out of state, D.C., other things, right, and they love that brown ale. So it, it really depends on what's going on in that particular area. Mm -hmm. Sure. Well, Parkersburg Brewing has been one of only a few West Virginia brewers to emphasize a seltzer in their beer catalog. Talk about why you decided to do this, and then tell me about how it's going. Um, that, that actually was a personal conversation between myself and a friend of mine at work. Um, he asked me why I had my head so far up my ass that we weren't doing anything with seltzers. Um, <laughs> and and um, so we decided to do a little bit of investigation and work. Um, you know, with, at, at the time, the seltzer market was really growing, you know, and especially in the golfer, um, you know, the golf part of the, you know, um, yeah, um, you know, and it's a nice, light, um, easy drinking, you know, four to five percent ABV drink. Um, so we decided to do that work. Um, we're pretty proud of the seltzer that we produced. Um, however... I will say that that market, um, especially now with all these other you know, hard options, if you will, um, is so diluted um, that it's a very hard market to compete in. So, so, so we've decided um, that we're going to quit pretty much distributing seltzer in cans, um, and we still offer it here in the tap room. It's a great gluten-free option that we've had certified um, in the brewery. Um, people love it, um, and we continue to serve it here. But we're gonna, we do continue to offer it in kegs from distribution standpoint. But we've stopped canning seltzer. Aaron McCoy and I are here at Parkersburg Brewing Company in downtown Parkersburg, West Virginia, talking with Dan and John, two of the owners here, and. Uh, we're going to now take our take a break and while Dan or John one pours us another little sample a beer number two and uh, when we get that poured we'll be right back to talk about it. Okay we're back and we have a nice richly brown beer poured in front of us right now. Dan what are we drinking? Yeah so Charles this is our our uh, black IPA um it's a very um, earthy, chalky, um, nice, you know, hopped, um, bitter IPA. Yeah, that's uh, really well flavored. It, it uh, you know, some black IPAs are a little light and just heavy on bitterness, uh, but this one you get a good balance of the bitterness with the malt. What's the ABV on this one? Um, I believe that one's seven one seven two. It's very smooth and easy to drink and, and certainly doesn't come across as that high of an ABV. No, it doesn't. Right. Yeah. Well, 
Black IPA. Um, let's talk about some other new and upcoming beers. Yes, I mean one of our one of our new ones is that Belgian Double that we've talked about. I mean, right now we, we're only offering it in the tap room. Um, it's been very well received, but we are working on a I, I would call a pretty exciting collaboration um, with uh, a local company here. Um, uh, a, a donut place that's been around forever um and we're going to be taking our base beer the mojo coffee stout um and doing a pretty interesting collaboration with a a local donut company um that'll you, be what would any city be fall. what would any city be without a donut company or two <laughs> yeah. i mean come on uh, so what do you how are they going to get the the mojo up there <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, we're 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 infusing donuts and chocolate, and it's going to be a really exciting beer. We're actually just now starting the development of that beer oh, in okay. our pilot system. I see. Um, so you know, by this fall, we should have that beer out. Um, I'm pretty excited about it, and so is the donut company. Uh, that we're do you, oh, I'm sure. With. Do you have a name? No, not yet. Not um, yet. Okay. Not yet. Well, we're folks, working uh, on it. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, we'll we'll watch their uh, social media and maybe even. Uh, yeah. Brilliant stream social media, and we'll have yeah. to make sure we announce when that. Yes, uh, no, definitely. We'll keep out. we'll keep you informed. Um, it's just a little bit early to share the name of the donut company, yeah. Yeah. and we don't have a name That's of the fun. beer yet. But definitely, we'll share that when the time is right. Okay. Well, kind of in the same wheelhouse. I know it's been a minute since we last talked with you, um, but I, if I recall correctly. There was um, obviously discussion regarding Cell Block 304 and maybe an international collaboration that you were considering. And I'm just curious if you could maybe touch on that. Yeah, so we actually did do a, an international collaboration um, with a, a brewery in Ireland. Um, John, do you want to talk? You, you actually went over there as well. Yeah, yeah. So um, I went over to Ireland and... Um, Worked with uh, Larkin's Brewery over there in Kilcool, Ireland, and we brewed together a uh, traditional braggot, which is an old traditional drink from Ireland. Yep, and they yeah, actually go ahead and explain what a braggot is. Right for our listeners. Um, a braggot is kind of a mix between an ale and a mead. Yeah. It's very hun- it's honey based. So soup very sweet. Very sweet. High ABV, I'm assuming. Very high ABV. Oh, boy. Yep, yep. And and as far as visual, for our listeners, can you describe Um, kind of how that Yeah, very golden, kind of more like a barley wine. But clear. Yes, yes, clear. Little head. Clear, golden. Yes, very good head retention. So so the cool part is when we saw one on tap that it was actually being served in Russia. Um, yeah, so so that was really that was really pretty wild. So, but originated in Ireland. Yeah, yeah. And they yeah, distributed yeah. to Russia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that actually, that beer actually out of Larkins there in Kilkul, that beer, to my understanding, ended up in like a dozen different countries throughout Europe. Wow. Yeah. So you got to watch those check-ins as people did their social oh, yeah. media. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. is pretty cool. Well, Isn't that had to be a first for West Virginia. Oh, Brewer. absolutely. I, I would think, but it, it it was super cool um, to be involved in that and watch it and go to Ireland. I mean, we oh, all yeah. were there, um, and just to, the cultural differences and things was just a great experience. And and for our listeners, what I, again, I know it's been a while since we've talked with you. When exactly, what year did this occur? 
That was right before COVID hit. Yeah, so 20, uh, 2019. 2019. Yeah, yep, yep 2019. Yep. Any, yep. any plans for follow-up collabs with international um, I would definitely be going back to Ireland. Um, yeah. <laughs> had an absolute blast over there. You know, I hung out for eight days, hung out with them guys, had a great time. I imagine you had a fantastic um, time. How much yeah. of it you remember is a whole other <laughs> yeah, yeah. conversation. But. Yeah, yeah. Made, made some <laughs> great friends and contacts and... Yep. Solved. And they're a great brewery. Larkin's Brewery is a great place. Um, so I, that's a possibility in the future. Um, we just we just haven't got over the COVID hump yet. But you right? still develop. But, you, yes. or you still ha- you maintain a good relationship. Oh, yes. with oh, yes. That yes. oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful to hear. Well, guys, West Virginia has adopted a number of newer alcohol laws since you guys have been in business here in Parkersburg. Are there any laws or regulation changes that stand out to you as significant improvements over the last few years? I mean, for me, Charles, I think the brunch bill um, was, was a big um, good thing for us on Sundays here in the tap room. Yeah, and that was one that um, allowed you to sell beer early yes, on a Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. So I think that was great. I think um, one that we haven't taken a lot of advantage of yet is the where a private resort hotel to have interconnection with a resident brewer. Um, that change, uh, you know, we, we tried that before that change was made. We weren't successful. Um, and, and we have yet to retry that post-COVID. Um, I think, you know, I mean, I mean, to me, honestly, the maximum alcohol content of 15%, Okay, that's cool, but you know, I mean, how many beers are we going to brew at fifteen percent? Um, not right. many, if any, right? So, I mean, that's nice, right, to lift those kind of limitations, but you yeah. know, I, I don't think that one is super important. To us. Well, some of the like in this last session, they did allow brewers now to have more than one location, which you couldn't do that before. Right, yes. And I, I know you guys yeah. have dabbled around a bit in the Parkersburg market. I mean, excuse me, the Morgantown market. Yes. Is anything possible up there? What's going on with that? Yeah, so I don't want to say too much right now. I mean, we, we are looking at some possibilities of a second location, um, but it's so early that I... I I don't want to share too much That's at okay. this point. No, I understand. Yeah. So uh, let's go back to legislation then. Yeah. Are there any other kind of legal roadblocks that you'd like to see busted or should, or are you pretty happy with the level that our, our state laws are right now? To me, I think Charles, one of the frustrating pieces is um, the price change um, regulations and rules around the ABCA. Licensing, you mean? No, price changes. Yeah, oh. to change the price on what you sell is yes. what you're yes. saying. Yes, yes, yes. You have to, to file, the in West Virginia, we have to file a sale price, or a brewer does. Yes, and, and it's at least a quarter that you have to wait for that to be approved. Um, so, for example, right, if you make a mistake on pricing a new beer, sure. And, and it's a bad mistake, you're going to pay the price for at least a quarter. Oh, yeah. And um, that adds up quickly. And no, it does. Yeah. So, so to me, that's probably one of the most frustrating pieces of the current regulations that we have. So, John, this one is for you initially, and then we'll see if Dan has anything to add. So I let, always have things to add. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's take a big picture look at Parkersburg Brewing and its business model for the beer that it makes. 
How would you describe the overall brewing philosophy and how has it developed throughout the years? Um, I don't know that it's developed. We've been the same from day one. We stress quality and we stress consistency. Um, if you have one of our beers made three years ago and you come back, we want that to be the exact same beer. That's what beer drinkers want to hear, I, yeah. I, I would assume. So, so I will add, um, I totally agree with John. Um, however, I think we have developed some, right? I think, you know, we have learned over the last six years um, certain things about, you know, how we control diacetyl and different things in the fermentation process. Um, and we've gotten better, right? Um, now, it's all about science. It's all about data, right? Um, and, and I think, you know, we continue to strive to get better. Um, but I also agree with John. It's, you know, there's a lot of things that we do the exact same way we did when we started, right? And it's all about consistency and quality. Um, and, and I think consistency, we've got down pretty well. Um, it's a quality piece that I think we've had down very well, but we continue to try to strive to drive to the next level. Well, your downtown brew pub has always been a big part of your business model. How's it doing today? So the brew pub's doing pretty well. Um, again, right as we talked earlier, um, you know, post-COVID, um, things were booming. Um, people wanted to get out, Ow, yeah. right? Yes. They wanted to get out. Um, then you get inflation, you know, increase in gas prices, things start to drop, you know, so we've had to get creative, right, with how we draw people into the tap room and how we maximize foot traffic. But um, in general, uh, you know, I feel that we've done pretty well. Um, and, you know, this, this tap room is a daily, you know, revenue source for us, right, where from a wholesale perspective, you know, you get orders, you know, on some sort of frequency, but not daily. Um, so, so it is an important part of the business for us. How do you manage the food side? You know, I know how you manage the beer side, but how do you manage the food side? I mean, that's often a, a place that at least some people, I mean, they lose money on food and that's what puts them out of business. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think we've, we've been pretty smart with our metrics um, and how we manage the food side of the business. Um, it is definitely a challenge. Um, we continue to work on that every day. Um, but I, I think we've got a good model. I think we've learned a lot over the last six years. And to be honest, I think we manage this business just as good as anybody else running a restaurant in, in this area. And I know we've talked about this in past years as we've uh, either written articles about Parker's Brewing or, or talked to you on a podcast. But uh, you were kind of an urban pioneer here. You moved into a part of town that uh, they needed, the city needed, uh, you know, to have a business that was a draw to bring people down. I mean, how have you found that experience here in downtown Parkersburg? And maybe what do you look for in the future? So it's been a challenge. Um, you know, we are, we've been very committed to revitalizing downtown Parkersburg. Um, we feel like we are a pioneer. Um, we work with any and every business that comes downtown, right, to try to collaborate and continue to grow what we have downtown, um, but it's slow. Um, and to be honest, it's a little bit frustrating, but, you know, we, we continue to, to, you know, push the mantra and, uh, you know, try to continue to, 
to be the the source for bringing people downtown. Yeah, and I, I think that's kind of a common theme among certain, certainly certain small breweries in our state where the, the, the cities themselves aren't bringing more people in. I mean, they're losing population. And I, I don't, I'm not up to date on Parkersburg and your area exactly, but my guess would be that it's not growing at the moment. And, and when people put breweries in those towns, I mean, it's, it, it can be tough. I mean, because the overall economy is not really working in your favor. No, exactly. Um, so, you know, we, we continue the push, we continue the drive, um, you know, so far we've been successful and we will continue to try to develop downtown Parkersburg and, you know, bring bring it back. Yeah, so, and yeah. I appreciate that because, the you know, breweries are a draw and they're a, something that a community really needs, you know, a small brew pubs like in restaurants like you're running. And it makes a big difference to the attractiveness these days of a downtown. And, oh, and I hope they appreciate that. Yeah, so, so it's funny and... Um, you know, when it wasn't too long after we opened, um, there was a young girl that came in here that used to live in Parkersburg that was, that was living in New York. Totally moved. <laughs> um, and she came in and it was kind of funny cause you know, everybody's eating, they're drinking and real loud. Uh, she was just a loud girl. <laughs> she right? became she, a real no, New Yorker. She's like, oh my God, it's, I, I don't even feel like I'm in Parkersburg anymore, you know? Um, so, so it's a neat atmosphere we have here. Well, it is. Um, yeah. and, and, and people like it. Um, yeah. Well, and as Charles said, you know, you, you put a brewery in a town and the idea is that it's, well, absolutely, I know it's going to bring craft beer people, but also it's going to bring jobs it's going to bring hopefully other businesses yeah. and then people yeah. grow around that community and it supports itself yeah. and which was charles's point so, so so let me make this comment um you know when we first opened um you know in 2016 our intent was to be a brewery that had a little bit of food um and i think we learned very quickly in our demographic that you can't survive like that um you have to be a restaurant that, oh, by the way, has some pretty good beer. Um, so, so we shifted our focus very quickly um, to be able to survive in that environment. Yeah. I know you guys all, uh, at least most of you, came from kind of either scientific or industry backgrounds that you know, weren't related to brewing, but you were very uh, scientific-oriented. And how has that impacted the way you decided and continued to operate your business? So, so I think um, the scientific piece has fell very well into the brewing part. The restaurant part, science doesn't really apply. <laughs> um, however, right, we're all... Chefs may, may no, argue with you on no, that one. However, no, you, no, I know, but however, we're all consumers, yes, right? We are. So, so I think for us, right, the restaurant and the, the taproom piece was, what do we like? right? What do we not like? Um, and, and trying to build the atmosphere and, and the tap room and the restaurant piece around what a consumer's like. And, you know, we spend a lot of time with our servers, um, especially um, with doing training on the experience, right? From the time you walk in that door until the door hits your hind end on the way out, right? It's got to be a positive experience. Um, and so we do a lot of training on that. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that's what makes us successful here, um, is, 
you know, we want something that we want to come to, um, and, and I think it's, it's pretty much what the others enjoy as well. I hope that training involves training your staff on your craft beer so that they can describe it well, more in particular to those customers that are not really aware of what craft is or maybe they're coming in for the first time. That's so important. No, exactly, and, and there's definitely a need for improved education in that area no, from my I, standpoint. No, I agree, and, and we continue to work on that. Uh, there's nothing that frustrates me more than a craft as a craft beer drinker to go to a you know establishment and and ask them you know what kind of IPAs do you have and they say well I have a Bud Light well no <laughs> that's not an IPA right so <laughs> um, yeah so I think education is extremely important. Well, we've been sitting here inside the brew house more or less here at the brewery and uh, it's been a great experience to record a podcast with all the tanks around and uh of course we got a little and that literally the bar and customers behind us yeah that's right before we wrap up today's interview are there any other future plans for the brewery that you want to tell us about no i don't think we have anything to announce um yes we've always said the our dream is to max out this place and move to a bigger facility that's still our dream that's still where we want to get to um yep just Nothing we're ready to announce on that. Yeah, I, I mean, there, there may be some things we're working on, but we're just not ready to talk about them yet. But you still have confidence in the, the local craft beer market and its future? We do. Yeah, yeah, yeah we do. Um, we have confidence in the market. We have confidence in our products. Um, so, you know, we're going to continue to continue the march um, and grow this business as much as we can. Well, Dan Curtis and John Cox of Parkersburg Brewing Company, thank you so much for joining us today on West Virginia Beer Roads. We have had a fantastic time. Appreciate your time. Yes, thank, thank you. you. Good luck going forward. Thank you. This brings us to the close of another podcast. Remember, you can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast host. Thank you for listening to West Virginia Beer Roads. West Virginia Beer Roads is a production of BrilliantStream.com.